Welcome to the Plan Vision Podcast, where we share simple, straightforward investment and planning ideas for normal people. The description in this podcast is for informational purposes only. Do not construe this as personal tax, financial, or legal advice for your situation. Hi there, this is Mark Sorrell with the Plan Vision Podcast, and I've got an interview today with Danielle Roberts of Boomer Benefits. And I came across Danielle as she was interviewed by a blogger that I occasionally read, uh, actually a few years ago, Fritz Gilbert, uh, who, who writes for the Retirement Manifesto. And I like how he had uh, run the, you know, put together the information for his readers. And I thought, gosh, I'd like to reach out to Danielle. And I did that a couple of years ago, and I finally got around to being able to connect with Danielle. And so she is here with me today. And we're going to talk about uh, Medicare and, um, and just provide some more education to my clients uh, about how it works. So, uh, Danielle, thanks for joining me today. Can you provide some some background on who you are and what you do? Of course, my pleasure. I am Danielle Kunkel Roberts. I am the co-founder of Boomer Benefits. This is an agency that helps people, primarily baby boomers, um, navigate their entry into Medicare uh, nationwide. And my brother and I own this agency, and we work with thousands of people every year who are graduating from company-provided insurance that's been chosen by their employers to a national health insurance system, which is quite a big beast. And we sort of facilitate that uh, transition by helping people understand what Medicare is all about. Great, thanks. So we're going to get into kind of the fundamentals of what Medicare is, but is would you say that then the people that primarily are interested in becoming educated about this are people that are right you know, what, what is their age range? Is it 63, 64, or are there people earlier than that that show an interest? Yeah, so we, we tend to pick people up right around age 64. Most people start investigating Medicare six to months to a year out, but we do have some uh, overachievers that sometimes contact us in their mid-50s, and these okay. are great planners, and we yeah. highly recommend that. Actually, I often say, I wish Medicare had a class for everyone at age 50 so that you would not be so yeah. confused later on. Um, but that is a, right around 60 to 65 is sort of the sweet spot for when people um, really can use the information that we can provide. Okay. Yeah. And I don't know a lot about Medicare, so I'm looking forward to becoming better educated about it. So can we start with uh, maybe just a basic explanation of what, Medi what Medicare is? Yeah. And I'd like to differentiate it from Medicaid because that's okay. a, a very common confusion. So Medicare is our national health insurance program for people age 65 and older. And this program was extended in 1972 to people with certain disabilities. Um, about 19 million people have Medicare earlier than 65 due to disability, but most people become eligible at age 65. And you're eligible for Medicare, uh, which is health insurance through the federal government, regardless of whether or not you're already taking social security benefits, which is another um, thing that people sometimes get confused. And okay. then Medicaid is the program that provides health insurance to people who have low incomes. So it is possible to have both Medicare and Medicaid. Okay. And if you did have both, Medicare would be your primary insurance and Medicaid would be the secondary. I see, I see. So Medicare pays for people's medical costs when they turn 65. That's right. So just like you get insurance under 65 from Blue Cross or United Healthcare, you're going to get insurance from Medicare mm -hmm. itself, the federal government itself, once you turn 65. How about dental or uh, long-term care? Yeah, so Medicare does not cover dental, vision, hearing, or long-term care. 
Um, this is somewhat confusing to folks, but back in the 60s when Medicare was created, it was not common for employers to offer dental vision and hearing. People had shorter life expectancies back then, and so hearing really wasn't even a thing. Sure. Uh, hearing aids were rather new technology. And Medicare, therefore, today still doesn't cover those things. There's actually a bill in Congress right now to add that in, and we see that every so often. But so far, uh, they only provide the medical part, and you're on your own for the rest. Okay. So it covers what you're referring to as medical costs. Mm -hmm. And maybe we'll go into this a little more later, but medical costs would be the cost for a physician, for lab tests, visit to a clinic. Yes. So as it's well as supplies and durable medical equipment and testing and those kind of things. So there's a hospital portion and an outpatient portion, and it covers all those kind of things that you would ordinarily think of as health insurance. Okay. So people become eligible for Medicare, I believe you mentioned, when they turn 65. That's right. And I'll make some comments here and you can just tell me what I'm, what I'm not understanding correctly. The way Medicare is funded is Medicare has been funded by a part of a payroll tax, which some people might refer to as FICA or Social Security or OASDI throughout their working careers, correct? Yes, Medicare Part A, their hospital insurance, is funded by that. Okay, so those deductions that, 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 the, that we make as employees and that our employers make go to pay, you said, for hospital. Yes, that's right. Um, and so, I, gosh, I, I'm not, I should know this better, but I think it's like 1.42% um, out of the Social Security and then that which, which your employer matches. I so think that, it's 1.45 now. Okay. And, and some people with higher incomes actually pay yep. an additional 0.9%. Correct. So that's just a Medicare tax, right? Yeah. So you said that it only co goes to cover hospital costs, but yeah. if I am 68, and I have brain surgery. I got to believe the brain surgeon's bill is going to be quite expensive. Where does, how does Medicare pay for that? So Medicare has another part, which is called part B and this part you pay for. So everyone who enrolls in Medicare really needs both part A and part B, unless you have some other sort of coverage coordinating with it. Like you're still working and you have employer coverage, or retiree insurance, but let's say you don't have any other coverage. Your part A is gonna be paid for um, as you go in. You won't have to pay anything for that as long as you've worked the 40 quarters during your lifetime. Part B you'll pay a premium for. And currently in 2020, that base premium is $144.60 a month. And this provides you coverage for 80% of your outpatient costs. Now, some people pay more, uh, a small fraction of people in the upper incomes, about 5% of people on Medicare pay more for part B. But the base premium, which 95% of people all pay, is 144.60, and that comes as a surprise sometimes to people who have seen that FICA tax their lifetime and coming into Medicare thinking Medicare will be free, and then suddenly finding out actually it's going to cost you about 10% of your Social Security check for many people to pay for that Part B. Okay, so let me try to understand. So I was working my whole life. I paid into Medicare with this deduction out of my payroll, and you're calling that Part A. That's the hospital. Yes. And when I turn 65, I don't pay for that anymore. Correct. But now in order to get all the other services that go along with my medical care, I have to pay a premium that, that is essentially deducted 
from my social security? Is it true it just comes out of my social security payment? Yes, and if you've delayed your social security, then they'll bill you for it quarterly okay. until such time that you start taking social security. But yeah, it'll, it will be a deduction from there on out. And you, not, you need to have Part B because it's going to cover everything from doctor visits and preventive care all the way up to chemotherapy, radiation, dialysis, and some very expensive outpatient items. Is it actually optional? It is actually optional. And for some people that makes sense, especially if you are still working, you could have your employer insurance at a large employer be primary and you could have your Part A be secondary. You don't really need Part B then because your employer coverage okay. is providing outpatient. But once you leave that, it would be a grave mistake not to enroll in Part B um, because so there, though I'm you sorry. Think, go ahead. There's no compelling reason to not take Part B if That's you're right. yeah, other and than the employer situation. We do run across the occasional person who will say, well, I don't hardly ever go to outpatient stuff. I'm just going to get this hospital insurance. And what people don't realize is that the surgery is performed by a physician, which often then gets billed under Part B. So not having it could be really put you in some dire straits. It's a very important piece. The Part B premium payment that you're re referencing here, what again was that number this year? It's $144.60 per month. Does that vary at all based upon the either the social security amount that the recipient receives or their overall income? Yes, I can on both. So the overall income piece is if you happen to earn more than $87,000 as a single filer or $174,000 as a joint filer, you will be charged more for Part B on a sliding scale. There are several tiers mm -hmm. where uh, the most expensive one is over $400 a month for people that make more than half a million dollars a year. So somewhere within there, you'll fall. And Social Security pulls IRS tax records from two years prior to determine what that I monthly see. amount that you okay. pay is. And they'll send you a letter once a year saying, hey, next year, we've calculated that your Part B premium is X. I see, okay. So, you know, retirees always wanna be prudent about how they manage their money and so on. And I certainly tell my clients they don't wanna to get too bogged down in letting taxes drive their decision-making. However, I guess what you're, the point that you are raising is that there can be some additional costs associated with them as their income goes up yeah. and their income could be impacted by the fact that, oh, maybe they take money out of their 401k or the IRA as opposed to living off capital gains or something like that, which could, mm -hmm. okay, all right. Well, that's helpful to know then. So that is how much the Medicare, you, you've given kind of pretty good overview of, what Medicare costs yes. and how it's how we at least pay for pre and post age 65. Um, so most people, when they get to be 65, well, maybe I don't, maybe I shouldn't say the word most. What does Medicare not cover that essentially creates this market for all these Medicare um, insurance policies? So, with coverage that you have prior to age 65, either through the Affordable Care Act or an employer, mm -hmm. you typically have a deductible and then a coinsurance. So maybe you have a $1,500 deductible, then your insurance company pays 80%, you pay 20%, and then there's an out-of-pocket maximum. And if you hit that number, you're done for the year. Maybe it's 5,000. If, if the part of 20% you're paying reaches that out-of-pocket maximum, you're capped for the year, the insurance pays the rest. With Medicare, on the Part B side, the deductible is small, it's $198. Mm -hmm. 
then it pays 80%. The 20% that you pay goes on forever with no end. There's no cap, no stop loss. So you can just imagine if you needed eight weeks of radiation for cancer, yeah. could be tens of thousands of dollars. Um, Medicare also has a hospital deductible, currently around $1,400. So these are things that you would pay. You would have deductibles, co-pays, and co-insurance on Medicare, just like you do when you're under 65, but you don't have that really important piece, which is that out-of-pocket maximum to protect you. So people purchase either a Medicare supplement, which does exactly what it sounds like, and it, it okay. pays for those deductibles, co-pays, and co-insurance for you so that you don't have to worry about what bills are coming in your mailbox um, if you have a hospital stay or some surgery. Or they can also choose a newer option, which has been around um, for a little over a decade for a Medicare Advantage plan. And this is a, just a way where you can get your Medicare benefits through a smaller network local to you, a private insurance company. And um, that option has lower premiums than Medicare supplements, but you pay more as you go along. And so these are the two products that agencies like ours help people learn about so that they can choose, hey, I don't wanna have this risk that I might pay 20% of something really expensive. I have these options to sort of fill in those gaps so that I can enjoy my retirement without worrying about, you sure. know, what's going to happen if I have a hospital stay. So the Medicare supplement, just so I'm clear, you've got the part A, the hospital bills, and you've got the part B, which is basically everything else, I suppose. The Medicare supplement policies cover gaps for both of those, or is it just the part B? Or both. Okay. So right. you could purchase the policy that pays the part A deductible and the 20%. Um, they also include things like coverage for skilled nursing. Um, there's 10 standardized Medicare supplements. So people can choose either really full coverage where you pay almost nothing uh, out of pocket, or you could choose um, something where you have a lower premium and it covers some things and you cover some things out of pocket. So there's a sort of a scale uh, depending on how much risk you want to have versus the premium that you pay for a Medicare supplement. Okay. Um, so when it comes to the billing process for this, yes, I go in the hospital and the hospital knows that I'm Medicare eligible. Mm -hmm. And so they're going to send a portion of my bill to Medicare, or maybe you could just describe how the, the process goes from the, uh, I guess, from the patient's perspective? Yeah, this is a great question because people don't really understand how this goes and then they get bills in the mail and they're not sure what they owe. So whether you're using inpatient or outpatient coverage with Medicare, you're going to go and get your care. Afterward, that provider, the hospital or the doctor or the lab facility, they're going to bill Medicare. Medicare takes a look to see, have you paid these deductibles yet? If you haven't, uh, it will deduct that amount to leave the deductible for you to pay and Medicare will pay its portion. And then that provider will look and say, oh, Medicare only paid 80% of this bill. We're going to now invoice this Medicare beneficiary for the rest. If you have a Medicare supplement, Medicare will invoice the Medicare supplement first, and then you only owe anything that might be left, which you'll have a very good idea of based on the policy that you've purchased. Okay. So we often tell people, don't pay your deductible at the doctor's office. You want to wait for Medicare to do its processing and the bills will come out to you later. Now, the caveat to that is sometimes the hospitals love to send you the whole bill right away and they don't give Medicare time to pay. So it's important if you end up with a bill that seems like it's more than you think it should be to 
wait and see if Medicare pays the portion. And the advice that I like to give Medicare beneficiaries about this is right when you become eligible for Medicare, you can sign up for a mymedicare.gov account. Okay. And you can log in and see your claims as they're processed instead of waiting for Medicare to send you a summary notice, which only comes out once a quarter. Um, set up that online account and you'll be able to log right in and say, oh, look, my supplement paid this $100 bill that I just got. I don't actually owe this. And so that Medicare.gov account is great for tracking your claims. So let me understand this. Um, I've got the event. I had the medical event. It was $50,000. Mm-hmm. Are you saying that conceivably a hospital or provider could send me the $50,000 bill. Yes. And they either, they send it to Medicare at the same time Mm -hmm. or they wait. Is it possible that somebody could, I guess if it just happened, they paid the whole bill. Yes. Would the hospital then say, Oh, well you paid us the bill. You got to go get your money from Medicare. Would that ever happen or not? It would actually be the hospital has to accept the medic money from Medicare and refund you the portion that you have. Um, they're not always very timely about doing that. Sure. Okay. So we like to warn people, hey, if you get a bill before you have a heart attack, to go back in the hospital over that bill, give it a little bit of time because they often send those bills uh, to you and Medicare at the same time, and people will sometimes pay that bill thinking, oh my gosh, I did, I guess I yeah. didn't understand my coverage, so. You always want to look to see what Medicare paid first um, before you pay anything to the hospital. Now, with doctor's appointments, typically the doctor won't invoice you until after they've received the payment from Medicare. It's pretty rare for them to send that out ahead of time. It's really the hospitals where we see that uh, weird billing quirk happen sometimes. Okay. Um, not sure how to phrase this question, but um, you... Anecdotally, do you hear about uh, people as they age? Do you know if you're 80, 82, 85, 87-year-old, if there's some sort of a, uh, a way that they could possibly get guidance in helping them understand their bills and process them? Mm-hmm. Do you know of any? I can see how somebody would get quite confused at that point. Any, yeah. Any, yeah. It is. So... One of the services that an agent should provide you, and certainly something that we do here for our clients, is we tell them, you bought your Medicare supplement with us. If you get a bill in the mail and you don't think you owe it, you should always call us first. We can do a quick conference call to Medicare or your carrier and figure out exactly what you owe and what you don't. Um, Most insurance agents who provide Medicare supplement policies should help you with that. Um, If your agent doesn't, you always can call 1-800-MEDICARE yourself hey, I have a $40,000 bill here from the hospital. Um, Is Medicare paying this? And they can look up the claims for you there on the phone. There are also, um, in your local area, you can often go to the area um, agency on aging or shift counselors. And sometimes they may be able to help you out with those things too. But it is a concern because I can think of a number of clients that we have here in their 90s who don't have adult children to help them. And it, it is yeah. a cause for concern to wonder, you know, how are they, the ones who don't have an agent to reach out to, how are they getting that information? And it can be very confusing for people in that situation. Yeah, I can see, I can see how that would be tough for a lot of folks. Um, you may have mentioned this, but I do want to go back to this. 
Um, can you discuss pharmaceuticals and how they are handled or I guess not handled uh, with Medicare? Yeah. So the two pieces that we've discussed, A and B, those are called original Medicare or traditional Medicare. And you sign up for them at the Social Security office when you turn 65 or the Railroad Retirement Board if you uh, railroad retiree. You can even do this online now at the Social Security website. But there's an optional piece, um, Part D, which is the prescription drug program, which was rolled out in 2006. So over, for over 40 years, there was no drug coverage on Medicare. I had clients in 2005 paying 10,000 a year for their diabetes medications. We're very lucky that Part D came about so that now you have an option to purchase this voluntary coverage, which you would think about as a pharmacy card that you present at Walgreens or CVS or Kroger, wherever your favorite pharmacy is. And this uh, gives you access to medications at a copay uh, instead of paying full price for those medicines. And in every state, there's probably 20 to 30 different drug plan options. These are always offered through a private insurance company. So that part is also a little tricky. You're, you enroll in A and B with the government, but when you want drug coverage, you're gonna purchase that from a private insurance company, but Medicare will track it to make sure that you enrolled and penalize you if you don't enroll and you don't have other coverage. So it is a good idea when you turn 65 to pick up some drug coverage. Fortunately, uh, there are plans in every state that are inexpensive, as cheap as 10 or $15 a month. And then there's some options that are much more expensive, but they might have a much richer drug formulary. This is gonna give your doctor some, a list of medications that he or she can choose from to prescribe you in the event that you develop a new health condition. And uh, Medicare provides a great tool um, online, a plan finder, where you can key in your current medications and search okay. for the plan that's going to give you the best coverage. What kind of um, take up do you see on, on drug D coverage for people that are buying? Statistically, about 70% of all beneficiaries do enroll okay. in drug coverage. And if you don't enroll, is, can you just enroll anytime in the future? Is that how it works or not? You can enroll during your initial enrollment period, which is the seven months surrounding your 65th birthday. If you don't enroll then, um, there's a penalty that starts accumulating unless you have other creditable coverage like VA drug benefits or Indian tribal benefits or employer in coverage. Okay. So if you don't have any of those, then you're limited to joining a drug plan uh, once a year during the annual open enrollment period in the fall. And so the risk to not having it is you develop a new health condition and you need an oral chemotherapy medication and it's $5,000 a month without coverage. You can't get into a plan until the following January. Okay. So we do recommend, you know, at least pick the cheapest possible plan. This will prevent you from having the penalty, but it'll also make sure that should you develop a serious health condition, there are medications available to you. A couple of questions there then. Are you, so just so I'm clear, I'm a little bit confused. So Medicare Part D is optional, yes. but there's a penalty if you don't take it. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. In our Facebook group, uh, people love to joke about this as sort of optional Yeah. Um, because you really do need it in the event that you develop a new health condition. You don't want to be waiting around for a medication. And also, if you think about this, imagine that you have a drug plan and you pay $15 a month for it, and it's giving you discounts on seven medications. Mm -hmm. Well, obviously the $15 a month that you pay to the carrier isn't making up for all the money they're spending and providing you those drugs. The government itself funds a great deal of the cost for Part D. Mm -hmm. And that's why they make a, a penalty for you not to enroll because they need those healthy people paying in. Sure. 
to have enough money to pay for those on the back end that are using a lot of medications. So I don't know if you can answer this question. Let's just say I don't have Part D. Mm -hmm. I go in the hospital. I have, I don't know, open heart surgery. And they're going to, well, I mean, I don't know how long that stay is, but there's a lot of morphine involved to deal with the pain. Would, would Medicare treat morphine as being a, a, far, a drug or front that is not covered if you don't have Part D? Or do you know if that's part of the hospital bill? It'll be part of the hospital bill. Okay. So fortunately, while you're in the hospital, anything administered to you um, as part of a clinical setting will fall under okay. either Part A or Part B, depending on the service. And so the Part D is only for outpatient medications. I tell people, these are any medication that you yourself pick up, either via a mail order pharmacy or at the pharmacy yourself. If you are physically going in and getting that medication and bringing it home, that's what Part D is for. Okay. A couple of other things I wanted to go into. Um, One was the uh, integration between, between Medicare and people that are still employed. A lot of people still work past 65. Can you give an overview of the options for those people and what they might want to give consideration to as they are turning 65 and are still working? Yes. So if you work for a company that has more than 20 employees, 20 or more, that coverage will be primary and Medicare will be secondary. Most people in that situation will enroll in Part A because it doesn't cost you anything. You've already paid for that through your FICA taxes over the years. And they'll delay Parts B and D with no penalty because they have this creditable coverage from a large employer. So to enroll in Part A... Yes. I have to enroll. It doesn't automatically happen. Is that true? It will happen automatically if you're already taking Social Security. So if you file Social Security at 62 or before 65, they will automatically enroll you in both A and B. And then if you don't want B, you've got to let them know to cancel that. But most people who delay their Social Security, um, they will have to actively enroll in Part A. And this could benefit you. Let's say you have a employer with a $5,000 deductible. If you go in the hospital, Medicare is deductible is only $1,400. Medicare would pay the difference. So it might benefit you in the event of a hospital stay, but it can't hurt you because you're not paying anything for it. The only caveat to that would be if your employer insurance is a high deductible health plan and you're contributing to an HSA, the IRS won't let you keep contributing to that health savings account if you have any other form of insurance which Medicare is a form of insurance. So those people shouldn't enroll in anything if they want to keep contributing to that HSA. But otherwise, people would enroll in Part A and delay the Parts B and D. Now, the opposite is true if you work for a small employer. So an employer that has less than 20 employees, Medicare is primary, so you definitely want to enroll in both A and B right at age 65. You could, however, delay the Part D drug coverage because you, if you're using your employer coverage as secondary to your Medicare. Can I interrupt you for a second, Danielle? I want to define what you mean by primary. I work, let's say that, you know, I'm a professional. I work in this very small firm, 10 people, I'm 66 Mm -hmm. and they've got this, they just buy this great benefit for me, all healthcare paid for. Okay. You're saying that if I work for this employer, that doesn't matter. What does it mean to say that it's primary? So Medicare pays first. So whatever health um, events that you have, even though you have this employer insurance, the medical providers are going to bill Medicare first 
Medicare will pay its share, and then your I see, I see. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so I suppose the only way, and I don't mean to get too far off track here, but the only way that that person's going to get around that is if they go into a, and uh, maybe maybe you're going to tell me this wouldn't work, but I work for a small company. I got a hundred percent paid plan. I go in and I get this five thousand dollar treatment, and I say, look, don't bill Medicare because we got this great plan. And we're going to send that to our insurance company, but the insurance company can say, wait a second, we're not going to pay this. You should be doing that, right? Is that? Yeah. Okay. The insurance right. company will see you're over 65. And, yep. and uh, the thing that happens is that people don't know this about small companies, so they don't enroll in Medicare. And then they have a procedure and they are on the hook for the 80% that Medicare Part B would have paid because they failed to enroll in the insurance that was primary. So really important. Um, for you to get the Medicare at eight, at 65 if you work for a small employer. Now, you know, it may be that you still spend almost nothing out of pocket because that small employer insurance is awesome and it's going to kick in whatever portion Medicare didn't pay. So it would still benefit you, but you will be paying for the Part B and you'll need to because it's a small employer that you work for. How would you pay for the Part B if you are not getting Social Security? They're just going to send you a bill? They'll, they'll bill you quarterly. And if um, paying the quarterly bill is a hardship because it's three months at a time, you can um, call Social Security and sign up for Medicare Easy Pay, and they'll okay. just hit your checking account once a month for that Part B premium. Hey, by the way, I have to ask you, because you know, you, you mentioned this idea that you have a person that has an issue with their Medicare bill and you'll just call Medicare. Well, I know people are listening to that saying, are you kidding? I'm just going to call <laughs> Medicare and I'm sure they're waiting there to answer the question. What has been your experience with um, the responsiveness when you call Medicare? Medicare actually is pretty good on the response times. The whole times are longer if it's during the annual election period in the fall when everyone is changing their drug plan, but they're pretty good. The problem okay. is that both with social security and with Medicare, sometimes the workers, um, are relatively new. There's high turnover okay. in these types of government jobs and you may not get a correct answer. So if any answer you get doesn't sound correct or you question it, you should get another answer from someone else. <laughs> um, I know here we always tell our clients, don't call Medicare for anything. Call us first. Yeah. And, and then if we need Medicare's consult on something, we conference in, but we know the right department. We know the people to ask for, whereas you're going to be dealing with someone on the front lines. Um, it's always good to double check any information that you get from uh, yeah. those frontline people. Yeah, good tip. So um, one area that I wanted to ask you about, and I, I'm sure this is going to, well, maybe it isn't easy. It isn't the answer. Oh, well, I, I, before I get to I have to ask you, you mentioned the, we talked about the Medicare supplements, which are what yeah. people buy to, you know, which you don't have to buy. I mean, you can just go for it, I guess, and not get one. But I assume most people have some. What is, what is the term medic, Medigap? What does that refer to? Yeah. So we, the public tends to think of it as a Medicare supplement. And we like to use that term because it's, it, it's very descriptive of exactly what that policy provides. The government calls Medicare supplements Medigap plans. I see. It's the same okay. thing. Same thing. So, different yeah. Thing. Okay. Um, which leads on, I guess, to the next question. Um, what do you see in far, as far as ranges of pricing for Medicare supplements? And then I'll ask you another question about that too. And then and maybe you can, you know, comment on both of these. Is there any sort of underwriting that's involved in, in a Medicare supplement policy? Meaning if I have, am already diagnosed with cancer, is my policy going to be different than somebody else? 
Yeah, great question and very common one too. So everyone gets a one-time six-month Medigap open enrollment window that starts with your Part B effective date. So when you first sign up for Medicare A and B, that Part B effective date starts a clock ticking. Let's say your Part B effective date is April 1st. You're gonna have from April until October to pick up a Medicare supplement, regardless of health conditions. There's a whole page of health questions and you can skip okay. them if you're in that six month window, they must issue you the policy. That is a one time, one time window. And this is probably, I would say, it's right up there number one or two with the most confused thing that people get wrong about Medicare because that one-time open enrollment window applies for you only, but then there's also this other open enrollment period that they hear about in the fall. And people tend to think, well, I'm not sick now. I'll just go with Medicare. Later when I get sick, I'll just enroll in a, open, in a Medigap plan in the fall, and I won't have to answer health questions, and that's not the case at all. So the open enrollment period in the fall is for changing your drug plan, or if you have a Medicare Advantage plan, you can change during that limited period. It has nothing to do with your Medigap plan. So let's say you are coming into Medicare with a serious health condition that might later prevent you from passing underwriting to get a Medicare supplement. You definitely want to take advantage of that one-time six-month window to pick up a supplement because it may be the only one that you're ever able to purchase. Now, in some states, there's um, more generous rules. So for example, in New York, there's continuous open enrollment any time okay. of year, but that's why the plans in New York are so expensive. So um, depending on where you live and what the state's rules are, that can affect your rates. Medicare supplements are very affordable in the Midwest, even here in Texas. Um, a female turning 65, non-smoker, could get a pretty good policy for around 100 bucks a month, a Plan G, very comprehensive policy. That same policy might cost twice as much in Connecticut or Florida or New York, uh, based on the cost of healthcare there and also that their rules are a little more lenient in some states than others. So, um, you know, a broker like, our, like we are can run a report and say, you, let's say you want a Medicare supplement Plan G, you, we can run and tell you in your state, here's 30 different insurance companies and here's what they all charge. And it's gonna be in your best interest to go with one of those that are the most competitively priced because the benefits are the same. But we can also look at rate trend history, that particular carrier, what was their rate increase last year and the year before. So there is some information that you can get through a broker or direct from the insurance company right up front to help you decide which plan you want and which carrier you wanna go with. So gosh, you said $100 a month for a single woman. As a, with a Medicare supplement. Yes. Do people buy Medicare supplements as couples? Everyone's policy with Medicare is an individual. So okay. you will okay. each have your own Medicare and your own Medicare supplement. However, there are carriers that offer discounts for you and your spouse both enrolling with that same carrier. So you might each get a 5% or 7% discount if both of you are with that carrier. There are even some carriers that will give you that discount if, you're, if you live with another person, um, even if that person isn't enrolled in the same supplement with you, simply okay. because medically, um, there are statistics and, and um, studies out there to show that people who live with another person have less serious health events than someone that doesn't. And so they're actually giving you a discount just because you have a roommate or a spouse or someone living in the same house with you. Okay. So a couple questions that relate to this. Um, Gosh, you take P 
people that are relatively healthy, that are 66, 72, 77, 78, they've got their Part B, they've got their Medicare supplement, maybe they're getting some pharmaceuticals, maybe, they may not spend a lot of money on healthcare. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So when we hear about the average cost for retiree, it is what it is. Averages can be impacted. And I certainly have clients in their 60s and 70s who pay something, but they're not obliterated by healthcare costs. So it can be quite manageable, I guess. If, if, if the Medicare pays for its stuff and you got your Medicare supplement. So uh, I'm curious what you see, if you see much activity with your clientele as far as shopping of healthcare, their Medicare supplements, has they age? Yes. Do they, do they still continue to shop at 72, 75, 78, 82? They usually will unless they have a very serious health condition and we're telling them right up front, you'll never be able to get covered by another carrier. So um, when all Medicare supplements will have a rate increase once a year, you might have a really good year where it's one or 2%. You might have another year where it's 15%. And it all depends on um, the, the loss ratios. So the claims incurred that year, they can't just arbitrarily raise your rate. They have to present that data to the Department of Insurance okay. and then get approved for a rate increase. But typically, you're going to have a small rate increase from year to year because healthcare inflation and everything else. And so usually, we do have our clients call us back. Right? It'll be right around the 11th or 12th month. And they'll say, hey, I just got my letter. My rate's going up $7 a month. Does anyone else have this plan G or plan N for cheaper? And we can look and see. To change, depending on the state that you live in, in most states, you'll have to answer the health questions. So if you were calling into us and you said, well, um, I have COPD or emphysema, congestive heart failure, some type of chronic condition, it's gonna be very difficult for us to help you change from one carrier to another, you'll probably be declined. But maybe you just have a couple of blood pressure medicines and maybe a thyroid medication, um, or maybe you have diabetes even, but you don't take any insulin, you have just a pill for it. Um, you can change relatively easily with a few health conditions and things that you have maintenance medicines for. It's more of the chronic and curable conditions that will prevent you sometimes from changing, or if you can change, it may be a carrier that's gonna be a lot more expensive because they're willing to take that health condition on. Sure, great. Well, I wanna say that this has been fantastic from my perspective, <laughs> a lot more. That's nice to hear. Um, I've also, this would be an area where I have to say that I would absolutely want guidance going mm -hmm. through this process. Uh, it's, um, because this is, you know, from a financial advisor's perspective, we talk with our clients about where they're going to spend money on. And um, I just don't know the details about Medicare and the, the range of options. There's obviously a lot of specialization. So it'd be wonderful to have somebody walk me through this and explain this like you just did, in a, in obviously in a different kind of setting. Can you explain, uh, Danielle, maybe somewhat quickly, you and I talked about this a little bit prior to our chat here about how your organization provides education? Sure. So we are Boomer Benefits. Um, we're very easy to find online, boomerbenefits.com. And you can find us on almost any social media, YouTube and Facebook are, are two biggest ones, uh, Boomer Benefits. And we have a number of free educational resources for the public and I recommend checking those out, starting to educate yourself, you know, six months to a year out before Medicare. You can go to our website and you can uh, sign up for one of our free Medicare 101 webinars. I do a webinar every two weeks 
where you can um, come and see yours truly, explain everything about <laughs> Medicare 101 that you need to know in less than an hour. And we stay for questions afterward and it's completely free and um, you can stay and answer questions. You can also sign up for, we have a six day email mini course. So if you would learn better taking the information in small bites, then you can sign up online at our website for our mini course and you'll get one email per day with a video and an email from me explaining a piece that you need to know. So by the end of the six day course, you've got a pretty good working knowledge of Medicare, how it works, how Part D works and what your supplemental options are. Those are probably the two best resources. If you also are a good audio visual learner, we've got a great YouTube channel where I offer videos. My videos tend to be a lot shorter than some of our competitors. I've found um, the feedback we've gotten from people is they'd like to learn the pieces that they didn't want to. They don't want to sign up for a video that's going to run an hour. Mm -hmm. So you could say, I, I think I understand original Medicare, but oh, I do need to know more about Part D. Sure. I'm going to watch this six minute video here. So that's another great resource. And of course, you could join us on Facebook. We have almost half a million followers. Oh, gosh. Um, and a private Facebook group where I'll answer questions for you all day long. And all of that is just free educational resources for the public. Um, you're welcome, even if you'll never need our help and you've got retiree coverage, but you're still going to have questions about Medicare. We'd love to have you. Great. So this has been delightful. Again, I want just um, for my client's benefit, for you just to say the name of your, your name again and the name of your organization. Yeah, so I'm Danielle Roberts, and the organization is Boomer Benefits. Great. Thanks again, uh, Danielle. This has been wonderful, um, and I, I'm going to want to talk with you again in the future, for sure. My pleasure. I'd be happy All to. Right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Plan Vision Podcast. Let us know if you have any questions or comments on the topics covered.